Welcome to the Wine Conversation. I'm Sarah Kemp, and today I am welcoming back the guests from the very first episode of the Wine Conversation. That is the wonderful Nelson Parry and Federico Moschia. Nelson has many roles. He's the Italian wine buyer for Swig. He also has a brilliant newsletter, which I would really recommend Wine Conversation listeners should subscribe to. It's on Substack. And also joined with him is his great friend, Federico Moscia, who's head of wine at 67 Palmar, which is where I met them both many years ago. Recently, they put on a tasting of the wines of Bulgari. And it was such a fascinating tasting that I wanted them to come on the wine conversation today to talk about Bulgari, which is an extraordinary region, which has some of the biggest names in Italy. So first of all, welcome back the originally named Barolo Boys, but today I'm going to call you the Bulgari Boys, Nelson and Federico. <laughs> today is always a pleasure to, to talk about wines with you. And we are such and so excited to go back and talk about our, our, one, our first law, which is the wines for Tuscany, by in this case for Bulgari. Well, who's going to start, Nelson or Federico? Because what I'd love you to do to start us off, is to talk about exactly where Bulgari is, how big it is, how many producers there are. Who wants the first question? Well, I'll take this and then I'll let Nelson talk in a little bit about the terroir that is also in on micro, micro areas about Bulgari. So Bulgari, we have a, a few kilometers away from Florence and Pisa, to give an idea to people. Uh, we are on the coastal side of the... Um, Toscan region. Uh, it's really a small uh, area in terms of uh, uh, production because we are talking about roughly 1,300 uh, hectares, you know, 65 producers, 13 kilometers long area, uh, seven kilometers wide, just to give you a little bit of, uh, of number. But there is a, such a great average uh, uh, quality over there. That's why we are so in love with wine from Bulgaria, which actually starts uh, in the early uh, 80s as produced in white and rosé. And then just in the 90s, then it was uh, upgraded to production of, uh, of red wine. So when we talk about Bulgaria, it's really important to highlight the greatest of the red of Bulgaria, which is such a probably the most and the biggest famous name over worldwide uh, in the world for red wine, but also there are some amazing uh, uh, white wine. So this is to give you a little bit of uh, um, an intro where uh, Bulgari here is. So Tuscany, coastal area, 1,300 hectares and 65 producers. And just to set the scene, can you just give us some of the famous names? Obviously, we have Sasakaya, we have Ornelaya. Well, definitely Sasakaya, Ornelaya. Uh, then we have uh, producers like uh, Michele Satta, uh, Grattamacco, uh, Chiappini, some new guys like uh, Fabio Motta, some uh, uh, less known producers like Castello di Bulgari, which we love them uh, so much. When was Bulgari first recognized as a DOC? It uh, was recognized as a DOC in uh, uh, as white 1983 but then for uh, Red in 1994. And who made Bulgari famous, would you say? 
Well, uh, the story is the uh, the most renowned winery, Tenuta Sanguido, Sassicaia, definitely with uh, Mario Incisa della Rocchetta, was the person who uh, really believed in the terroir because of his love for French wine and for Bordeaux blend. This is mainly what Bulgari is about for red wines. So definitely I will say Mario Incisa della Rocchetta. Uh, which started actually producing his wine for his own family consumption. But then other names that sometimes are left out a little bit, of course, Sassicaia Tenuta Sanguido is the most famous name. But then in the late in the 70s, a name like uh, Pier Mario Meletti, uh, Michele Satta, the Antinori family and Frescobaldi then uh, build up even more the quality and the recognition of uh, uh, Bulgari as a uh, as a premium wine from Tuscany and from Italy. But definitely the first name to mention is Mario Incisa della Rocchetta, the Incisa della Rocchetta family and Tenuta Sanguido in Sassicaia. Well, they certainly put Bulgari on the map. And of course, famous names like Angelo Gaia have gone down there too. Yeah, definitely, yes. Many, many other producers uh, moved there to name a couple that we... Uh, all known is uh, definitely Angelo Gaia with uh, uh, Camarcanda. Uh, then we have uh, the Berlucchi family, really famous for uh, traditional sparkling maiton in Francia Corta with uh, uh, Caccialpiano. And it's an area and still uh, growing a lot of people in Italy and also investors from around the world believe in this terroir, in the quality of the wine that is recognized among all the wine experts and also recognized by the, the customers. Then in the end, they are the people that they, they enjoy and they really uh, drink the wines. Now, there are three DOCs. Uh, Nelson, shall I ask you if you could kindly explain the rules of the three DOCs? Fantastic. So we have uh, DOC uh, Bulgari Rosso, DOC Bulgari Superiore, and DOC Bulgari Sassicaia. So technically... Um, in both Bulgari Rosso and Bulgari Superiore, you can have like a wide array of grapes. You can have Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Cabernet Franc. This three can go from zero to 100%. Then there's the possibility of putting in the blend up to 50% of Syrah and Sangiovese and less than 30% of complementary grapes. And usually we're talking about Petit Verdot in this case. Uh, what really changes apart from the yielding, clearly the yielding is uh, slightly higher for Bulgari Rosso. What really changes is the aging. So when it comes down to Bulgari Rosso, uh, the wine needs to be sold from the 1st of September uh, after the harvest. So it's basically one year. Uh, instead, when is Doc Bulgari Superiore, uh, you need to, the wine needs to be aged um, for at least uh, two years, of which one has to be in barrel. So that's pretty much the rules. Uh, clearly, Doc Bulgari Sassicaia only applies to the estate of Sassicaia. Um, grapes need to be grown in a specific area, which is close to the town of Bulgari, and is minimum 80% Cabernet Sauvignon. And uh, again, uh, the wine needs to be aged at least two years, uh, but but they need to spend time in barrique for at least 18 months. So that's basically, um, those are the rules. Uh, now, Nelson, I know that you are the ultimate Italian terroirist. You love driving <laughs> over vineyards. Uh, so I think you're the perfect person to ask, can you tell us about the terroir? Is it homogenous or are there different patches? What is it like? 
terroir in Bulgaria is a mess, like you know, like most of Tuscany. So, doing uh, doing the the game that uh, you know Barolo or Burgundy are doing here is really really hard. Um, so we're trying. So me and Federico we're trying to understand, for example, how can we actually properly tasting in you know Bulgaria superior is blind in various areas and try to understand similarities. So I will say that to understand um, technically. Uh, how Bulgari can fit in the terroir, I think there are like three main uh, things to discuss before delving into the, you know, checking out the land works. The first is that the main influence of Bulgari are the winds. So the winds are actually coming from, you know, the sea and the Isola d'Elba and they literally enter inside Bulgari and they literally get stuck in it. So even during summer, you might just walk there and it's really windy, really windy. So that's a huge, huge influence. Um, there's clearly a rain shadow effect, so it doesn't rain that much, but you have clearly uh, most of the vineyards, I would say pretty much all the vineyards are looking towards the sea. So that's another big influence. And the third thing that makes it even harder to read terroir is actually the, the thing that we discussed before, um, which is, you know, the, the laws. The laws are, you know, are pretty wide. You can do a lot of things. You can do a lot of blends with lots of different varieties. Um, so these are a lot of things that are making it harder and harder to read the map as it is. So let's go with the first bit, which is the easy one, and then let's complicate it a tiny bit more. Um, so there's a uh, there's a road called La Bolgherese, where you will find uh, many famous estates from Ornellaia, Orma, uh, there's also there Podere Conca, everybody is pretty much is on the road. Uh, and usually what the, in Bulgaria we say sotto strada e sopra strada, so below the road and over the road. So if we go down to the road, we will have like more, um, a bit of clay, but the more you go down towards the sea, it gets really sandy. So there's a huge uh, a huge pit, but it's just like a huge patchwork of, sa- of sand, loads of sand. Instead, if you go up uh, the street, um, you start having more rocks. Uh, and actually, the more you go up, and actually we'll have like a, a proper hillside area, which is where the first vineyards of Sasikaya was planted. Um, so that's the main, main differentiation. Now, uh, the real funny thing when you look at the map is that there are some uh, small areas. I, for example, I'm moving now, uh, thinking about the upper area, the one that looks towards Bibona. Uh, there are some famous areas like Le Sondraie, uh, around Le Sondraie, where you will drink uh, Sondraia from Poggio al Tesoro. Uh, you can start seeing that there's a small area that has a tiny bit more of iron in the soil, and in fact, next to it, there's this area called uh, Le Ferruggini. Ferro means iron. And then you start moving towards the sand. So that's one area that people are really interested in. Many people have been planting there. Uh, and also because um, one feature of Bulgari that is really important is that Bulgari hasn't opened the, the possibility of planting new vineyards in a long time. So that's something that really changes. So, for example, there's a thing that I might want to add. There uh, are many people, you know, sometimes criticize Bulgari for their international kind of thinking. But in reality, is like the protection of the area is really high. For example, in Parolo, many people could destroy as many forests as they could. Actually, if you walk 
inside the crew of Rocca di Castiglione and Barolo, you will find sometimes some holes created by the fact that there were forest airs and the soil sometimes cannot compact. In Bulgari, everything literally remained kind of the same. So also many vineyards, especially on the Sopra, Sopra Strada, I think about Podere Conca, I think about Ciappini, they actually didn't even took away the historical, um, the historical trees. So the vineyards are, are basically planting patches to save the original, uh, the original bits. I think that is worth talking about two areas that I think are really exciting. So weird enough, uh, there's an area uh, in the south of Bulgari where Argentiera is, where suddenly there's uh, from the from the from the sea to the hill is literally nothing. The, as soon as you get inside, uh, you just start with the hill, and this area is really really calcareous. And they're, they're doing like some really um, strong wines in tannins and acidity, really um, worth checking out. So Argentiera um, is probably one estate to check out in the future and to actually visit. Then going up to the hills where Sassicae is located, I think is really worth checking a couple of estates. Well, clearly Grattamaco is making history. Uh, and actually when I'm talking about high altitude, we're talking about 120 meters, 250 maximum. You will never go up, up, up. So um, there's also, as Federico was mentioning, Cacialpiano. And then there's one estate. Uh, if uh, people would like to see the differences in Bulgari, there are two uh, estates that I would like to mention. The first one, just to see how different that place is, um, one would be Grepikaya, which is literally on the sandy soil, uh, really next to the sea, you're like really in low altitudes. The wines are uh, are always like more towards the Napa style. And then another one that I will suggest to check out is the makers of a beautiful wine called Iconfini del Bosco. It's called the Mulini di Segalari, the windmills of the Segalari. And uh, literally is uh, is sort of a um, oasis. When you get into the estate, it's deep inside the woods. It is just like, how is it possible that I was before in an open system looking towards the sea, low altitude, and now I'm literally inside a forest. And these guys are making, weirdly enough, all Botte Grande. So they're doing like a Bulgari in the style of Chianti. And I think that just seeing these two estates will give you an idea of how different this terroir is. Um, in case somebody wants to get really nerdy, which is what me and Federico were studying uh, recently, the doctor Attilio Scienza did a study trying to divide all these uh, really complex patchwork. And he does, he, he's done a study in which he divides Bulgari by five types of soils, which is pretty much what I was talking now, but with uh, geological differences. So I, I, I think that if you want to get nerdy, you should check the writings of Attilio Schenfer. But that's pretty much it. So if you're starting with Bulgari, start thinking about Sopra Strada and Sotto Strada, and that will give you an idea of the styles. Again, if we're moving up on the Sopra Strada, the wines are going to have a bit more of acidity, a bit more leaner. Down, they're going to be a bit more, you know, softer tannins and a bit more, a bit more body. So that's usually the, the generalization. Well, that is a wonderful explanation, Nelson, and we will put some of these names on the Wine Conversation website. Um, if they're not familiar to you, they may be. Um, there's some are to me and some are certainly not. So very exciting to look out for. Um, I just want to ask you about the expression of these Bordeaux varieties, because 
you know, Cabernet Sauvignon, it doesn't behave like it does in the Medoc. And I just wondered if we could just talk about the taste profile of how Cabernet and Merlot and the Bordeaux varieties behave in Bulgari. Is that one for you, Federico? Yeah, I mean, I can uh, I can jump on this. Um, in terms of Bordeaux blend, we have an amazing, interesting uh, comparison testing a few months ago with Jane Anson comparing uh, Bordeaux wines and uh, and Bulgari wines. Uh, of course, they're mainly made with the same grape variety. So let's talk about Cab Sab, Cab Franc, and Merlot. For a sommelier perspective, when I taste them blind or even not blind, so to me, the main difference in terms of expression of the fruits, generally speaking, I always found, let's say, our benchmark, you know, has always been uh, uh, Bordeaux lovers. So the characteristic for us, the Cab Sauv and uh, Franc uh, in Bordeaux, we have definitely this uh, uh, just ripe, quality of the fruits we really like the drier tannin the medium acidity definitely this uh, um cassis that plumminess the cherry everything is so balanced and the thing has got definitely some uh, uh, herbal notes some crush hair sometimes pencil shaving graphite these are the main uh, aroma they usually find in, uh, you know, in definitely sometimes in young Bordeaux, but also while they age. So the potential of aging is really important. This uh, great variety in showing some mushroomy, leathery aromas. When I taste the Bulgari wine, I definitely sound a little bit more uh, sunshine in the wine. Power, powerful wines, plumier and juicier in a way, but again, beautifully balanced by the acidity, which is people might think we're in Tuscany, really hot, the acidity is really low. No, there is just enough acidity for the reasons that Nelson was talking about. But definitely what we found in the Bulgarian wines is definitely much more fruit-driven, these uh, Mediterranean herbs and the smoothier, creamier, silkier body, which is smoother, polished, uh, well-balanced tannin. Definitely there is a little bit more this fruit-driven aroma, the sunshine in the glass, we said, but that's the, the balance and the creaminess, creaminess of, uh, of the body. In terms of aging potential also, we found all these characteristics that will allow the Bulgari wines to have a, a great potential aging and um, all these characteristics, they uh, made, uh, I would say, a Bulgari wine is much more fruit-driven, softer, uh, with, uh, again, a rounded acidity, which the Tuscany herbs, we call, that's really characteristic of the terroir, definitely characteristic like uh, black currant, uh, sour cherry, um, cassis. And uh, compared to the Bordeaux, you find similar aromas, but um, in terms of uh, maturation, we'll find a little bit more... Uh, uh, these crushed herbs, a little bit more uh, um, medicinal notes. Of course, vintage are really important in uh, uh, in both uh, um, uh, in both appellation. But we found that in Bulgaria, there is always a beautiful and lovely fruit-driven characteristic. Well, talking about vintages, could you just uh, give us some that are for drinking now, and some you would recommend for laying down? Well, I will start with something that we recommend to uh, drink in the nest probably five, even more, ten years for the last two vintage that we uh, uh, presented in UK was the 19 and 20, 19 spectacular vintage already balanced at the first taste. Uh, again, we found uh, uh, 
the balance of the fruits with acidity and alcohol, which is perfectly balanced in all the wine that we tested. It was so well integrated. 19 and 20, definitely that's two vintage to look up in the next 10 years. So to buy now, probably. Uh, definitely other vintage, the spectacular 2001 uh, was a beautiful vintage. Now it's drinking well. You can see in those vintages, in that in the vintage, the potential of uh, aging of Bulgari. 1516 international recognized as top vintage uh, in Italy. But I would say that uh, what I like in Bulgari, definitely, yes, you enjoy the fruitiness and the really balanced just being released but then after 10 years you will start enjoying that sweet uh, tannins coming from the quality and the uh, ripeness of the fruit the balance and uh, and the developing aroma the sweet leather the mushroom aroma the floor floor all this uh, characteristic Nelson Federica I get to give you five producers each that you think are the ones the wine conversation listeners should search the globe for. I give you five each. Otherwise, I'm sure there are many more. But um, if we could stick to five each, could you, Nelson, tell me five, maybe slightly under the radar stars that you'd recommend? Ah, give me a few seconds. Give me just like one minute. Because <laughs> if I... I'll tell you why, because it's five each. We might just going to say the same names. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, that's okay. That's okay. If they're the same five names, let's have double the joy. <laughs> I just need to think about one. Um, okay, got it. So this is, for me, the most spectacular thing about Tuscany. Uh, sorry, about Bulgari. That most of Tuscany hasn't nailed yet. Um the magic of Bulgari is that you have technically still, um, you know, really important producers that are coming from higher aristocracy, right? So we, we, especially when we talk about Sassicaia. And the thing is that, like, is the area that has still a great amount of young guns coming in and actually doing such an amazing job. And it's really weird because that didn't happen that much in um, Brunello di Montalcino or in Chianti. I mean, in the, in the marketing sense of it. Like it's really, it's harder to talk about like the new guns in, uh, you know, in Brunello or Chianti. And instead in Bulgari, these young kids are, are emerging in, a, in, a, in an incredible way. So if I have to stick to five, which is going to be really hard, um, I would say that of the young guns, Fabio Motta is truly the one that is killing it. Uh, is the garagist of Bulgari in my mind is the is the head of the the idea of a garagist. He used to work for Michele Satta for many years. Um, so that's pretty much the style. He did change um, during this last vintage on 2020, and he's becoming. Uh, a bit more uh, more traditional. I think he's moving towards like, you know, back in the day he used to have lots of Merlot. Now he's experimenting a bit more with Capsav and I think that the new change is exciting. I tasted the 2021. If I have to say which 2021 are you excited to drink is the 2021 Legonare from Fabio Motta. Um, the second one, which is my favorite uh, 2020 Bulgari Superiore, is uh, Michele Satta run by Giacomo Satta. I really like uh, his 2020s, and I thought his Piastraia was the best 2020 I drank personally, outside, you know, all the love that I have for Bulgari in general. As I said, um, Molini di Segalari is surely something that needs to be seen. I really, really like it, 
uh, and is a is an estate that you need to visit. They do a rosato, a rosé as well, that I truly love. They don't produce many rosés in the area, and I think that one is incredible. If you ask me what I would like to drink right now, is that rosé from Mulini di Segalari. Um, I know that it's not a new name, but I just wanted to add this name because there's something magical about it, which is Ornellaia. And uh, I know that it's not the new the new guy, but there's a thing that I noticed. Um, Sassicaia has, uh, since 2015, has changed style a lot. He's going, he's exploring towards uh, a, not a lighter expression, but a, a, a truly sort of Burgundian expression. Uh, he's playing a bit more, I think, with the um, the vineyards that are up in the hills. Um, it's becoming like more nuanced. Like it's a wine of a, a lot of complexity, but it, but it's, it's a different style from the 15. You know that was a bit more Bordeauxish. And I think that Ornelaya in the recent vintages is like kind of abandoning as well the heavier extraction. You know, when I think about Ornelaya back in the day. I'm thinking about more the Napa-ish style, you know, and I think that that was the goal originally. And now Ornelaya, for a, for I don't know what reason, reminds me of the early Sassicaia of the 2000, or early 2000 Sassicaia. And I think it's amazing. If you ask me another 2020, 2021 Ornelaya, they're doing such an amazing job. Um, so I think I have one more. If I have to say one more, it has to be Castello di Bolgari. Uh, Castello di Bolgari is, is an estate that, you know, because sometimes it's seen as... Um, too classical um sometimes people uh forget about it uh and uh, and i think that even there uh the the vinification controls and how they treat the vineyards is such an amazing estate i need though uh because of my job and i need to do like you know the ads moment uh mm-hmm. if someone wants to check the, the, if someone wants to have a look uh, at the original vineyard of Sassicaia. The best way to see it is actually from the terraces of Tenuta Seteceni. And uh, Tenuta Seteceni does a small parcel of Bulgari dock, uh, but they do, is the only vineyard that is higher from Sassicaia. So for that reason, they're not actually Bulgari. And I think that Elena Pozzolini used to make, you know, um, you, actually she did a couple of vintages at Piedra Sassi with Shashi Muran and Rajapar. And uh, and also she was working for a long time. So she was making actually Colore from Bibi Greif for many years. So that's another estate that is outside Bulgari that I think is worth checking. So that's my top five plus one, Fede. Let's see if, uh, <laughs> let's see if it's the same. Okay. I mean, we definitely have a similar taste in wine, myself and Nelson. I uh, would like to mention other... Uh, wineries, but uh, because of my taste, I like the juiciness, I like a little bit more riper fruits. Uh, we can talk another wine in front, a glass of wine together. Reason why this wine tastes like that, but just to give you a few names, they are not that uh, the really famous winery, but maybe on uh, Mind of the People, they come straight away some uh, winery, like as you say, uh, Sassicaia, Tenuto San Guido, uh, the Antinori family and Frescobaldi. But in this case, I would like to add others that are as famous as them, but less known. One of my favorites, especially with the Vigna uh, uh, Dentaglio, is the Argentiera, beautiful winery, which makes this beautiful, juicy uh, wine. We have a tasting few uh, months ago and we were super excited. Definitely the Argentiera, it's one of them. And then and one really established in a way also in making and helping the Bulgari appellation to be recognized in the world is definitely uh, Macchiole. They do also 100% Franc 
Paleo, which is stunning, beautiful. I have a 2010 vintage a few weeks ago, and it was really uh, still young, as we would like to say here in London, a long way to go. And then uh, definitely uh, Grattamacco, uh, we always find a beautiful, refreshing acidity in the wine. It's one of that uh, most balanced wine. Of course, you get the characteristics you find in Bulgaria, but with a little touch of freshness. Terroir, where they are located, uh, it's really important for them. Also, Podere Sapayo, I like the lightness, the juiciness and the crunchiness. And then, uh, in my opinion, one of my favorite is uh, Chiappini. Uh, which is uh, always uh, uh, one of the top uh, Bulgari that I would like to mention. So these to me are the top five. But we already mentioned 10, there are 65 in total, so there are no many left uh, to mention. But this is, again, to mention how the quality of Bulgari is that's so high. So everybody makes a great wine, but is the average quality is so, so balanced, beautiful, and, uh, and uh, we love Bulgari and uh, we love what they do. Well, I certainly have to say that the tasting you put on was really the standard of quality was exceptionally high. Uh, one last question for you both. What do you both love most about this region? Nelson. Huh. What I love about this region is that compared to many other regions of Tuscany, um, you really kept the the quality bar incredibly high um unfortunately when you taste many brunellos um there are some exceptional brunellos but the whole appellation is brought down by the lower quality ones and especially the same can be said about chianti chianti in in my mind and in the sommeliers around london you know you take chianti as you know the classic house red when in reality there are incredible names out there, but they really struggle. And instead, still, after all this year, after all the critical backlash that Bulgari has always had, you know, because of the, oh, you know, you're not planting Sangiovese. And first of all, I mean, it's by the sea. And most of the people in Bulgari are not from Tuscany. So, you know, if I think about like, there's, there are so many articles that are coming out all the time saying like, oh, the super Tuscans are done, oh, Bulgari. So first of all, Bulgari is becoming more of a place. We don't talk anymore about super Tuscans. We talk about Bulgari. And when I, when we think about like all the names that we said, I am generally excited. And when I read all the names of, of the estates, that's probably what excites me the most. It's a place where, you know, in a normal appellation, the big name will try to destroy the, the young ones. Here, instead, you see the big names supporting as much as they can to grow the appellation. Uh, this is as great as it gets. Clearly, not everyone likes each other, but uh, the help, for example, Albier Antinori has put as a president of the consortium uh, towards it. And also, another thing, Riccardo Binda is probably one of the youngest directors of consortiums that you will find in Italy. And this is like the most unusual you know, thing that you will see in a consortium is the historical consortium of Italy, but deep down is one of the youngest ones. This is uh, this is incredible. You know, like is is the area that started Italy uh, for the export market. Yeah, it is legally uh, how can I say it fairly young, but still the uh, the amount of energy that is still there compared to the other Tuscan population is just unbeatable. Federico, what can you uh, add to that? I can add something, but Nelson said already <laughs> a lot of things I want to say, but we'll start with the end of uh, uh, Nelson feedback is the energy. 
Um, that's a uh, way how they work together. Of course, not everybody likes each other, but to give you an example, when we go to Bulgaria, we go to, I don't know, to test some wine with uh, uh, Giacomo Satta, then, uh, oh, did you call uh, Fabio Motta? And then Fabio Motta, oh, did you call Gabri? So it's really this uh, young energy, passion, balanced with the experience of the people that be working there for a long time. And this is more appellation, and I like the direction that's uh, uh, same idea of uh, making good quality, great quality wine. And that's to me is uh, uh, the best that you can find in Appellation. Work together, great young energy, professionality and love for what they do. That's what I love of Bulgari. And of course, the final product, which is a great wine. Well, I think we've had the most wonderful conversation about Bulgari and I must say, I'm very excited about what I tasted from this region. So it just leaves me to thank you, Nelson, and thank you, Federico, for coming back on The Wine Conversation. And we look forward to welcoming you back on other regions of Italy in future episodes. We will be putting uh, some of the names that uh, Federico and Nelson have mentioned on the Wine Conversation website. But until the next episode, we hope you all have a very good glass in your hand. <laughs>